Hey everybody, this is Rafe Telsch, and this is episode number 84 of Have Not Seen This, a weekly in-depth look at a much-beloved movie, selected specifically by our guest, that they're a little surprised when they find out people have not seen. Hope everyone is having a great week out there. Hope you're having a great new year. Happy New Year. It's been a little while since I had an episode. Uh, Had some real-life stuff going on. All very good, actually. Uh, Participated in a play at the local community theater, uh, which gave me a chance to entertain without throwing stuff out into the void. Having an audience and being able to hear reactions and that kind of stuff. And I kind of needed that. Uh, I mean, I love podcasting, I love doing this show, I love doing my other show, I love all the audio dramas I've signed on for, but the truth is that's putting stuff out there and getting very little feedback on it, other than looking at numbers of downloads. So I needed something a little more fulfilling, and that meant taking a break so that I could do that. So thank you for sticking with me through my absence. Uh, I am back. Uh, I have made some changes in my life, which are good, but also may require... Uh, a little less frequent of a release schedule, we'll see. Uh, I've gone to the movies in the theater since we last talked. Have some great thoughts on the developments of the MCU over the last few months of 2021, but we'll get to that on Beyond the Screens. For today, we're back with a regular episode. I have a great guest uh, who I met Uh, By listening to a podcast, Uh, Sarah Sorrentino was a guest on Double Edge, Double Bill. Uh, You know that podcast comes up on here all the time. I've had both of their hosts on as guests numerous times, and uh, I poached one of their guests finally. (laughs) Uh, She was on their podcast talking specifically about uh, noir and had mentioned Cool World, and I challenged her on Twitter to come on the show. Uh, and defend her choice, uh, her defend her like of that movie. And uh, instead, she picked a different movie, which is great. That's I love this show. I love still my concept of the guest picks the movie and the host shuts his pie hole. Uh, because we had a great conversation. It was great having her on the show, and I hope she will come back on again. So we are going to talk, instead of Cool World, we're going to talk about 1982's The Last Unicorn, which fits very nicely in that kind of nostalgic era uh, that so many of the movies that we talk about on this podcast fit into, like The Goonies or Labyrinth or uh, any of those kinds of things. So it's uh, it's a great movie. It's a great fit for the podcast and one that I hadn't visited visited in a really long time, and uh, I hope you enjoy our conversation about it. So without any further ado, here we are talking about 1982's The Last Unicorn with Sarah Sorrentino. I I try to start this out just with a little bit of opening, just to kind of give my listeners context, like, you know, who are you? What do you like? That kind of thing. So what what is your normal, like, go-to movie kind of thing? I know you were on double edge double bill for noir um mm-hmm. what what is what's your jam i really like um noir i really like like animated any almost anything animated most of the time i think they're so neat um i really like uh like older like rom-coms and by older i mean like classic hollywood rom-coms there's a few like actors and actresses that i really like and like i try to watch everything with them okay so let's go down that <laughs> like what what actors or actresses um like i watched today actually i did a movie marathon of like five films today and nice. um i watched woman of the year uh have you ever seen it i have not 
it's um Hepburn and I don't know the actor's name, but it's the one that she's almost always with. Not not um not Tracy. This, not Trace. Yeah. Uh oh no. See, <laughs> and then also the other thing is like I have approximate knowledge of a lot of things, right. but it's never specific knowledge. So I like will never sometimes not know someone's name and things like that. So let me see. Spencer Tracy, okay. Catherine and Spencer Tracy. Yeah. So I've only seen uh, maybe two other films with him and her together. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to watch more of them. And I actually got the Criterion uh, subscription oh, nice. uh, for Christmas. So I watched that. And um, I really like her holiday and Philadelphia story is probably one of my two favorites. Yeah. I'm not usually into romance per se, like in film at all. I'm actually kind of anti it, but, uh, <laughs> but something about like, I don't know, like there it's, it's, I, I like that a lot. I, I've ended up watching a lot of those. Like holiday was a very big, like eye opener for me. I was like, Oh, I actually like this stuff. Okay, cool. Especially the way that Catherine Hepburn talks is really neat. Oh yeah. I love, I, I love the pattern of her, of her voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Outside of that, I'm trying to look at my DVD collection over here. Um, I don't know. I like a lot of like fantasy stuff. A Green Knight was like a perfect movie, like a perfect hit for me. Ow. Um, I still have not gotten to see that yet. It's It was not what I expected, but I always liked mythology a lot. So yeah. like if I could see more mythology on screen, I'd be really happy. Um. I'm also kind of known for liking and knowing a little bit too much about like TV movies or like TV miniseries, like Merlin from 1998. That's the one with Sam Neill. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Lemon Kingdom uh, is one I really, really like, or is it 10th Kingdom? Oh, I feel bad if I got the number wrong. I think it's 10th. Uh, yeah. Oh uh, yeah. You're right. It's but we know what you're um, talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I rave about that a lot. <laughs> um, overall, like I, I've always been into film news and like production updates and stuff as when I was younger. And then I went to college and I was like, oh, I should do a film studies minor. And that kind of gave me a bunch of classes that were totally random. And uh, now I just like everything that I know is because I've edited an article by a writer on something that they were (laughs) passionate about. So like, sometimes I have to wing it because I haven't seen the movie yet, but I still need to like, give them grammar edits. And sometimes I'm like, oh, they like this movie too? Hell yeah. Or I'm reading and I'm like, I need to watch this movie. It's obviously amazing because they wrote a whole like 2K word essay on it. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thomas and I actually just chatted um, last week. We were we were supposed to record something and the recording idea fell apart and he and I just ended up chatting for like 45 minutes or so. And I, I got three movies from just our discussion that it was like, okay, I need to check this out. I need to check this out. So I yeah. totally understand that. <laughs> Thomas is responsible for why my podcast covered Cult of Chucky and what was the other one? It's Cult of Chucky and Bride something of, else. Bride of Chucky or no, it's the, I think it's Chucky the, or something. It's the one before Cult. Okay. That's the be- I think the best one, but I've only seen those two, so I don't know. My opinion is weird, but he <laughs> he made me watch those and I I am not a horror person because it's just not something that I feel safe watching cuz it makes me stressed. But um <laughs> but uh, I love those movies. I love those two. I'm I'm mo- no- noting down not a horror person. Not a horror person. Uh makes you feel stressed cuz I think we're going to come back to that as we discuss <laughs> this movie. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, one of the things about the podcast, one of the questions I always ask, because the podcast is called Have Not Seen This. It's about movies that people are surprised other people have not seen. What are your have not seen this movies? What are movies you haven't seen that other people give you a hard time oh, about? Oh, there's so many. There's so <laughs> many. Um, I have weird blind spots because when I sit down to watch a lot of movies at once, like I did today, it's always like like four different things I found on Criterion. And I remember, uh, do you know Canopy? It's another streaming service. Uh, I'm familiar with it. I'm not, not like I'm not, a, I'm, a, I'm aware it exists. <laughs> before Criterion got its own streaming and before Filmstruck, um, there were a lot of Criterion's like streaming on Canopy and that Canopy gave a free subscription to students, I think. So I okay. sat down and I was like, I'm going to watch a bunch of old movies I've never seen. So I saw like Beauty and the Beast, like Cocteau's Beauty and the Beast and right. stuff like that for the first time because of that. But I also watched like every entry into an Austrian film series about a princess. <laughs> um, I also, one time I sat down when Disney plus first started and I watched like all of the, um, Oh God, what is it called? It's like the, the children of the evil characters from Disney. I don't expect either of us to all actually the descendants. know the I watched all the descendants. Yes. Movies. I don't know why. <laughs> I'm 30 years old. I'm sitting there watching the Descendants movies. I <laughs> I, I, I'm guilty, but I had a son who was interested in them, so I have an out at least. <laughs> no, there's no children in my life. There was no reason. I just sat down and said, I'm going to watch all of them. So I, I give time to movies that normal people probably wouldn't when they were... I think a lot of like, especially the film nerds, they sit down and look at like the AFI 100 and they go through and watch them. Right. I have not ever done that. I'm slowly trying to, like, I haven't seen Citizen Kane. Me neither. Never seen it. And it's been towards the top of my list since I started this podcast, but I still haven't watched it. So I, I've seen, um, what's his other one, his actual noir where they're on like the Mexico border. The third man. Mm -mm. No, no, it's not the, it's not. Uh, anyways, I saw one of the, it was very good. Holy crap. Was that good? Uh, I will try to find the title and send it to you after that, but that one was good. I've seen other of his films. But gotcha. I've not seen uh, Citizen Kane. Yeah, there's a few Goonies. My boyfriend's very upset that I have not seen the Goonies yet. Oh, I've I've covered Goonies yeah. on both of my um, movie podcasts. So, <laughs> what year did uh, what year did Goonies come out? Eighty uh, six, late eighties. Yeah, I think I was born ninety one. I think no one sat me down and said this is a classic. And now I'm like too old, and I'm sitting there like, oh, I mean, I could watch it. There's a few of those types of movies that I think I missed. Uh, my my family wasn't very big movie people. Gotcha. Um, I didn't get a formal education. <laughs> Until <laughs> so you got a formal education. <laughs> yeah, then I got a formal education. They're not covering Goonies. They're more like, hey, this class is on Hitchcock. This class is on Bollywood. And I was like, oh, now I've seen like eight Bollywood films, but no Goonies. That's kind of where my life is at. I also own movies that I have not watched yet. This, the one that you picked for this, I own, and it was still plastic wrapped and had the freaking security stickers over three sides of the case that took me 10 minutes to get yep. into the damn DVD case. So I understand it. I, yeah. I love that I asked you, what movies have you not seen? And you gave like a four minute reason as to why you haven't seen those <laughs> movies. <laughs> like I have to, I have to. I have to defend myself. Oh yeah, no, I get it. I get it. Nobody's giving you a hard time here. 
All right, well, let's get into the movie you have seen. Uh, you picked mm. for our selection The Last Unicorn from 1982, written by Peter S. Beagle based on his own novel, directed by Jules Bass and Arthur Rankin Jr., starring Alan Arkin, Jeff Bridges, Mia Farrow, Tammy Grimes, Robert Klein, Angela Lansbury, and Christopher Lee. She is a creature of legend. In an age of sorcery and savagery. Well, what have we here? <laughs> demons. No! And dragons. She may be the last unicorn. All I want to know is if you've seen other unicorns like me somewhere in the world. You can find the others if you are brave. They passed down all the roads long ago, and the Red Bull ran close behind them and covered their footprints. Oh, I could never leave this forest. But I must know if I am the only unicorn left in the world. The classic tale oh! is now a classic animated adventure. Featuring the voices of Mia Farrow. The, the, the spell was wrong, but there was true magic in it. Alan Arkin. My dear, you deserve the services of a great wizard, but I'm afraid you'll have to be glad of the aid of a second-rate pickpocket. Jeff Bridges. That is exactly what heroes are for. It's you or me, Moth. Hand to hand to hand to hand. Robert Klein. Christopher Lee. I am King Haggard. And the music of America. Look and see how she sparkles. The last unicorn. The legend will live forever. Okay, so the way I always start this is, how do you describe this movie to someone who has not seen it? How do you sell someone who has not seen this movie on wanting to see this movie? It's a it's a fantasy children's film that will give you trauma. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I sell it. Check, check. Um, that is what the, that's what it is. It's trauma. It's like, do you want do you want to think it's going to be like a weird like late 80s like children's it, it reminds me of black cauldron a little bit mm -hmm. and I, that's how i remembered it the most and my sister owned it and she, my sister's maybe two and a half years younger than me and uh, we would watch this on repeat and uh she loves it well i actually talked to her today and told her i said to her hey i'm gonna be on a podcast uh we're gonna talk about a film that you loved as a kid guess which one immediately she said last unicorn <laughs> And that makes me worried about her. <laughs> what what I find interesting about this, I, I was talking, I've talked with several friends since you picked this movie uh, about the fact that I was going to be mm -hmm. watching this and, and talking about it. And, and they're all around my age, which is older than you. And we all have nostalgic connection to this movie from our childhood. What's also interesting is none of us remember the entire film. Like I, I was telling uh, someone last night, I remember yeah. act one and act two, but act three complete blank. Like I don't remember how the story is resolved until I, I sit down to, to revisit it. You mm -hmm. said a couple minutes ago, you're 30. So you shouldn't have that same nostalgia reaction for this movie. So how did you discover this? How did this get introduced to you? I don't remember how it ended up <laughs> with us. I really don't because we, okay. So for me and my sister, we grew up with a bunch of Disney clamshells. Like everything right. was a Disney clamshell. 
Um, we had a few other VHS that were my mom's movies that we like to watch with her. So like old Pride and Prejudice, like the four hour long Pride and Prejudice. Um, mm-hmm. Mirror has two faces. Uh, another Jeff Bridges. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, I'm sensing a theme here. <laughs> a bunch of weird Coyote Ugly. Uh, there were a bunch of like weird movies that we also would watch. Oh, Roxanne, Steve Martin, Roxanne. For some Cyrano reason, that was something yeah, okay. we always watch. <laughs> but I don't even remember seeing The Last Unicorn like VHS. I don't remember what it looks like. I remember all the other ones, but I know we watched it on repeat and I know it had to be a VHS and I know it was, I know it was my sister's thing, but I don't remember if my mom bought it for us because my mom... I should have asked my mom before getting on this podcast, say, Hey, what happened here? <laughs> Who let this happen? <laughs> but I did not. And that's my fault. But uh, I think it was purchased for us. And my sister always liked unicorns and not in like a princess way, but in a, like, I don't know. She's like, she's always like fantasy, but she, she, she wasn't very girly and neither were I, was I, we were just very into like fantasy stuff. I think in general, like I, like I said earlier, I really liked mythology. I was like 10 years old reading mythology encyclopedias. So it's I, I like connect that. with that. <laughs> this yeah. this <laughs> seems like the perfect movie for someone who is into unicorns, but not in a girly princess kind of way. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, do you want to see like a princess unicorn type movie? But like, it's a little bit fucked up and like grim and like macabre and like sad. It's like, yeah. Okay, cool. You're six. Let's do it. Let's put it on kid. <laughs> I don't know how it came into our into our hands though, because even my mom, like that wasn't a childhood movie for her because she was too old right. for that. So I don't know who thought that that was the move. I'm not sure. Interesting. Okay, so that leads to the question: Why did you pick this movie to discuss? Out of all the movies that are out there, why pick The Last Unicorn? I was thinking about it recently. Um, you know, you reached out because I talked about Cool World. Yes, on uh, Thomas's <laughs> podcast. Which, I do which like you cool are a world. defender of. Um, <laughs> yes, there is an episode of my old podcast, uh, We Forgive You, where we talked about Cool World. Um, and uh, we both, me and my friend, who actually came over and watched Last Unicorn with me today, um, we both had mixed feelings about Cool World, but I, I still like it. This film is kind of a little bit uh, boxed. I can't say his name very well. Boxy, Boxy. Yes. Ralph Boxy. Yeah. It reminds me of him a little bit, not in like a dirty way, but like in the way it's animated and the way it looks. And uh, it reminded me of that. And that's what I, that's why I thought of uh, last unicorn. I want to do something animated. And that was something I hadn't thought about in a while that I thought would be a cool addition. Cause I don't know many people my age or younger who have seen this film. Yeah, well, as I said, I mean, everybody I know who's seen it or or knows of it knows of it because of being around my age and being nostalgic for it. So that's 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 why I was really curious yeah. how you got introduced to it because it seems it seems like it's not part of your generation, and yet here you are saying yes, yes, it is. <laughs> but at the same time, I've posted about me watching it, or I've actually like tweeted about Last Unicorn before, and there's been a lot of like girls who remember it. That's like, awesome. And who are like, yeah, that was a movie we watched. So it must have been like a unicorn girly thing in a way, but it's a trick. It's a trap. It's not, it's not really (laughs) like that. It's totally different. It is. All right. Well, let me pull in. I usually pull in uh, critical reviews just to kind of give us some, some talking points. If we want to jump off from them, Uh, I always pull in a good critic quote and a bad critic quote. 
Uh, it sits at 73% at Rotten Tomatoes with an 86% audience score. So the audience still really likes this movie. It sits at 70% at Metacritic. The negative review comes from Ken Hankey of the Mountain Express from Asheville, North Carolina. This tells you to the lengths I had to go to pull in a negative review. Uh, <laughs> and he writes, this is one of those you had to be there in order to really get the appeal affairs. It's kind of the Generation X version of my generation's fondness for the Rankin-Bass produced Frosty the Snowman. In other words, nearly anyone who waxes rhapsodic over the last unicorn starts off noting how they, quote, grew up on the film. Viewed dispassionately by someone who was 27 or 28 at the time the film appeared, it's at best a mixed bag. It starts out with some terrific multiplane camera work of a forest done up in the colors of a Maxfield Parrish painting, an effect that lasts just as long as it takes to hit the opening credits. Suddenly, the fantasy realism gives way to much cruder stylized imagery, a unicorn that looks like an anorexic My Pretty Pony, and a title song by the pop rock group America, who quickly proved that time had not dimmed the vapidity that propelled them to the top of the charts in 1971 with a horse with no name. So he gets a little dig in on everything there. <laughs> I don't think he's wrong. I don't think he's wrong. Like he makes good points. It's very beautiful. And then there's like a really skinny, like weird unicorn character. And there's every character is like a little weird looking and a little bit like I don't know. The style is strange, especially re-watching it now. I'm like, I don't know if I like this movie still. <laughs> we'll find out. All right. On the positive side, I pulled from Alex McLevy from the AV Club. Uh, it's very rare that I say this when I go over the critic reviews, but guys, this is a must-read review if you like The Last Unicorn. The headline of the review is, The Last Unicorn was nightmare fueled to a generation of kids. And the opening line of the review is, there's no way to get around it for children. The last unicorn is fucking terrifying. But the quote that I pulled that kind of sums up his ideas is, is the last unicorn will endure as a film for reasons both intellectual and aesthetic. It's full of rich ideas and revisions of outdated sexist stereotypes and thereby feels more modern than many animated classics. Additionally, it's often gorgeous. The lushly rendered landscapes are impeccably drawn, plus it's so endearingly odd. The anachronisms, the bizarre dialogue, even that damn tree with the boobs are all singular touches that push the film into a realm all its own i remember the boobs i yeah. remembered him and it was funny my my friend alex had not seen the film he gets you know the whatever that magician's name is he gets tied up and i say boobs out loud i said it while we were sitting next to each other <laughs> and my friend is looking at me like okay boobs yeah yeah you're right the wood looks like boobs because he thought i was making like a joke and then it, it changes he's like oh you meant literally yeah <laughs> oh this is a children's film i was like yeah yeah i meant literally i remember that part for sure <laughs> i didn't forget that yeah I, I, again i could not tell you how you know a couple of days ago before i revisited it for this i could not have told you how the story ended but i could tell mm -hmm. you that it had the tree with the boobs in it <laughs> Yeah, there's a few key things that I remember clearly. I remembered like the witch uh, and her family. I didn't remember the harpy per se. Also boobs. I remembered a few things. <laughs> boobs. Oh, like multiple boobs. Yeah, that was weird too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> a lot of boobs, man. And not like good boobs, like weird boobs. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it was weird. It's a definitely like, it is interesting how children's memories are, especially of like, those types of movies like 
Uh, yeah, I remember clear things that I could have told you before I rewatched. It's like, yeah, this happens. This other thing happens. This happens. But then I rewatch and I'm like, I wasn't sure what was going to happen at the end either. I thought it was a sad story. I thought everybody died. I think uh, watching it today, I was like, I really thought that she uh, doesn't make it. Odd that I kind of had that same that same thought of it. So, yeah. Yeah, I thought she didn't make it. But me and my sister have talked about this film uh, before to day reminiscing about it and i remember saying to her maybe like four or five years ago we talked about this movie and i was like that movie fucked us up right and she's like yeah yeah it did i'm like oh yeah 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 i'm like i don't remember everything that happens i just remember like really sad scenes and like like really like depressed unicorn (laughs) i was like i remember all that for sure well and that's where i was going to go is you say you're not a horror person and yet here is this nightmare fuel for children type movie how did this impact you as a movie that you watched over and over again as a child (laughs) yeah i i talk about this a lot on podcasts I am not a horror person because I don't like seeing people get cut and pierced. I don't like gore porn. When it comes to like horror elements, I'm okay. I'm okay. Um, but like probably the, the the craziest version, yeah, would be like, I can't watch like, what's that one? Euro, what's the one movie by Eli Roth where the girl's just hanging upside down and getting sliced up? Hostel? I can't watch a hostel type movie. I've never That's seen those. not yeah. for me. I think I've talked about it on the podcast before. I, I got Hostel from Netflix back when it was – you still got the discs in the mail. I got mm-hmm. it and I yeah. held on to it for like two weeks and just never could get myself to put it in the yeah. damn DVD player. So I ended up just sending yeah. it back. I still have never seen it. That's how I watched like the first three seasons of Venture Bros back in the day. I remember <laughs> that. <laughs> um, but you actually put them in the DVD player. <laughs> yeah, I watched them. I watched them. Um, yeah, I – I'm back and forth though. Sometimes things are considered horror. Like Green Knight has elements that I would consider horror and I had no problem. I was okay. So the the imagery from this, the idea of things like the harpy or the talking skeleton or the the red the ferocious red bull, none of that impacted you as a child? As a child? Yeah. Yeah. But that's not the reason why I don't watch horror now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but as a child... Yeah, I was scared of this movie, but we like we just knew it was part of the movie at a certain I mean Stacy kept on putting it on over and over again. I'm sure that we just at a certain point were like, well, this is how this movie is. <laughs> I don't know. Um, it didn't it didn't keep her from watching it. And she's always been more willing to watch horror stuff and tr- like that kind of thing. Even like when she would write, it would be like she would write like spooky stories and stuff like that. For for me, I was just along for the ride. I again, I don't think I paid attention to it in the way that she did. I think she was obsessed, and I was the sister that had to sit there and be like, "Okay, I guess we're watching this movie Stacy likes to watch all the time." But it stayed with me. I just I think I remember it being traumatic more than I remembered why certain parts were traumatic for me. <laughs> I blocked it out. That's absolutely fair. <laughs> well, I'll tell you one of the things that really struck me on this viewing because again, I mean, it had been years since I watched it. I owned this copy. I had, had never even broken it open. But he mentioned in his review about it, um, the, the positive review, talking about revisions of out, outdated sexist stereotypes. And one of the things I found interesting in this viewing is how the movie, or or at least the characters, perceive men. And and I don't mean humanity. I mean men. That, 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 that there, were, yeah. there were comments about men being weak 
and you know men being uh men don't always know when they're happy is a line that's given at the end it's like wow that's mm -hmm. not that i think it's male bashing by any means but i think it's 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 a hell of a step away from disney cartoons where you know the guy is always sweeping in and being the hero and i i i liked that about it i just i had never noticed it before i think modern disney cartoons are going away from that which oh, i sure. like i think of like moana for example but but say no, Frozen I, and Moana, yeah. Yeah. But I yeah, I would say um something that we <laughs> we picked on uh while watching it, and you know, obviously there's those very blatant lines, but thinking about um the prince's character, what's his mm -hmm. name? Uh Lear. Lear. Yeah. Uh Lear is so much of like a proto himbo. <laughs> He's like, <laughs> I'm just gonna kill some things and hand it to you, and that'll work, right? But at the same time, he's falling head over heels for someone that won't give him the time of day, won't talk to him, uh, is blankly staring out at the sea and not paying him any attention and and wondering why she won't even talk to him. Yeah, it's really funny. Like even there. Yeah, there's the verbal like oh, men suck or she was even like um, men don't know what they're talking about. But at the same time, then there's even like the characterization of certain men in the film that are kind of demeaning oh, in sure. a way. Oh, sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Which, but I, I just, I found that like, I hadn't thought about that again, you know, it's been ages since I seen the movie. And when I, when I noticed that, and then to have a, a film critic also pointing out that I just, I found that really interesting. It was like that, that's so ahead of its time. Like, as you said, Disney is starting to take those steps now. Mm -hmm. And this is, yeah. you know, a 40 year old movie. <laughs> Mm -hmm. It was definitely not something I thought about when I was a kid at all, but watching it now, it, yeah, it's, it's very apparent. And it's also, it's neat, you know, like you're watching and you're like, and even my friend who had not seen the film was sitting there like, oh, she's just going to end up with this prince. It's like, no, dude, she's leaving that guy. She doesn't even care about him. She says she's going to forget him the second she turns. She's just kind of confused right now, but she doesn't care. Uh, she's a, she's a mythical beast. It's not going to happen, um, yeah. but uh, yeah, it's really cool. It was, it is really cool to see something even before my time that doesn't end up the pretty girl with the prince. Um, you don't see that in fantasy very often at all no. to begin with. Well, and it really plays with those fantasy tropes in such a way that kind of undercuts your expectations. You know, I mean, the fact that Schmendrick's an idiot. You know, he wants to be a great magician. And and she says at the end, you've finally gotten your wish. But as a viewer, I don't feel like he's any more capable of a, a magician at the end of the story than he was at the beginning, you know? Yeah, it didn't seem like he felt like that either. Yeah, no. And and like the fact that he encounters, you know, Captain Cully and this whole uh, uh, Robin Hood-esque band. And what do we get out of it? We get Molly. You know, we get the woman. She leaves that was her husband or boyfriend or something. Right. She just ditched that guy. She said, I'm done. I'm moving on to the next guy. This guy has magic. I uh, remember when he offered um, Smedric uh, tacos. Yes. What the hell was that? <laughs> I was so confused. I Have was like, why? Because there was already like the butterfly. The butterfly felt like genie. 
Like just there, I, there was obviously references there that I did not get because I was too young and I still don't get because it was before then he was singing like real songs or real lyrics. He's, he's doing everything from Shakespeare's Hamlet to Yeats poetry to won't you come home, Bill Bailey. It's like this huge anachronistic thing that, and see, I remember the butterfly annoying the hell out of me. That's one Mm -hmm. of the things I did remember from my previous watches. And this time it was like, well, he's not annoying, but He's confusing as all get out. Yeah, I remembered I remembered him being like an Alice in Wonderland type character of him just saying a bunch of gibberish and giving a little bit of information that she just runs with. Um, but I forgot it completely. I and I just didn't realize how much of like a rando he was. Right. <laughs> but yeah, there's little things that are like they're just like we're gonna throw in a modern reference. It was very like trying to be Disney. In, a, in some of those scenes to me and i was like oh okay that's interesting um it was it was cool to catch them this time yeah but even like i'm looking at my notes and even after the butterfly leaves you get your first real kind of jab at man where she says you know what do men know just because they haven't seen a unicorn doesn't mean that they're all gone it doesn't mean that i'm the last one what do men know and i'm like what do men know that's a great question (laughs) you're right you're right last unicorn um i posted a screenshot of her saying that uh, after i finished watching it good line yeah it's as i said like i i never would have picked up on that as a kid but now i'm just like yeah absolutely i agree with you (laughs) the other theme that i noticed kind of jumping in in and out is this weird idea of immortality this weird perception of immortality because you have, you know, we're we're centered around, as you said, mythological creature. She Mm -hmm. is immortal. And when she is transformed into human, one of the first things she says is I can feel this body dying all around me. That was like the darkest shit that she said the whole movie. Right. I was like, Oh man. Oh yeah. That's cool. But to go to (laughs) the tree the tree, the, the, the bosomy tree tells Schmendrick to be loved by a tree is to be immortal because you'll be remembered forever. Mommy Fortuna says that she will be immortal because the, the harpy will escape and it will kill her, but it will never forget that she was the one who captured it and she was the one who held it prisoner. And that is a form of immortality. And I'm like, these are some fucked up views of immortality. <laughs> and the king says, you know, well, he, he's not talking about immortality, but he says, you know, I own the right. unicorns. And that is what's giving me like this happiness or this power or whatever, this thing that I need to, because nothing else is giving me that feeling. Which is the weirdest character motivation ever in an animated film. He did not capture the unicorns because they're magical. He did not capture them because he wants to, to in, you know, center the world with evil. He captured them because he was sad and they made him happy. And so he wanted to know where they were at all times so that he could look at them and be happy. It's so much more interesting than a, a villain character just saying, I want there to be darkness. Yeah. Evil. You know what I mean? Because yeah, it's probably the most interesting that you get from like these types of fantasy ones. Because again, I was I was comparing it to Black Cauldron in my head a little bit. And even that villain is it's not because of something like so specific as that. And you go up there and you expect him to be like this like big king that's evil and like has all these henchmen and stuff. He's just chilling out in this decrepit castle with his adopted son. 
That's it. His adopted son and four four guardsmen. Yeah, I don't know where they were at, but <laughs> apparently they went down with the castle. Yeah, it, that was that was really really interesting. Oh, and the never run from anything immortal. You will catch its attention. Mm-hmm. There's another immortal immortal type line that was thrown in there as well. I don't know what to make of that one. Yeah. When, that's when they're leaving the the midnight uh, carnival and they're trying to make sure they don't get the harpy's attention because the harpy this is a kids movie this is an animated kids movie it is very clear that the harpy is chowing down on mommy fortuna even though we're seeing it from behind it's like there's nothing else that's going on there and her son yeah was that her yeah. son that yeah that's sense. her son okay I think I'm pretty sure. And then, and then, yeah, they're, they start, they just walk away. I don't, I, I don't understand what the point of that line is, except for like making rules that aren't really referenced again later. Yeah. It, it does kind of feel like it's setting a breadcrumb that never comes back into play, but at the same time, it's, it, it might be good advice. You know, it's kind of like, don't meddle in the affair of wizards. You know, it's you don't run from something yeah. immortal because you'll catch its attention. I don't know. Maybe just good life advice. Yeah. It was- <laughs> It was just life advice. I was like, I took that. I think I said out loud, I was like, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. I'll do that. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's, it, 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 but, but so anyway, so you have Shemendrick, who's kind of a, a, a schlub, uh, you know, he is not capable. Mm-hmm. As I said, you have uh, Molly, who is not the character I would have expected to join them out of the, the party of Robin Hood-esque people. Mm-hmm. You, you, as you said, he's kind of the, the prince is kind of the original himbo. Um, they're, they're, and, and, and then a king who isn't really governed by evil. He's the bad guy because he was depressed. Like it's, it's taking those archetypes that we are used to from this kind of movie, but then really spinning them in a way that films still don't do. I think almost every human character is weak in this. The, uh, Molly, Molly's okay. But again, she's, you know, she's just giving advice and complaining when things are done weird by Smendrick. Yeah, it's interesting. Everybody, everybody's making mistakes. Yeah, which is kind of cool. Yeah, it's kind of like the folly of humans, <laughs> for the most part. Well, when you have a story centered around a mythical creature, I guess that that is kind of one of the lessons to take away: is we're nothing. We're 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 idiots compared to what's going on here. Yeah, I mean, I would say like the whole story is from her perception. It's her adventure, and everyone else is kind of just trying to help and follow behind. So the, the question I did write down, because it, it, it you know, it, she is going to be, when she's transformed in the end, she's going to be the only unicorn who has ever felt love and regret. And she will remember Lear because those emotions are connected with him. So is that a form of immortality for Lear? Yeah, but he, he doesn't seem to care like the others cared but yeah i mean i would think so so maybe he's not as dumb as you think (laughs) yeah i mean if you think about it that way every character that had a effect on immortal characters got what they wanted what do you mean well it's interesting like they say that 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 she the main unicorn is never going to forget lear but wouldn't the rest of the unicorns never forget like the red bull and the king habard or whatever like yeah he kind of got that too. So every human character that interacted with and disrupted the immortal characters, you know, had an, a lasting effect on those, those immortal characters. Mm, so Mommy Fortuna's immortality is not just in the fact that she captured the harpy, but also in the fact that 
that she was part of this adventure and therefore she will always be remembered by uh, the unicorn as well. Yeah. I mean, if that's how humans want to like do it (laughs) to get their way, like that's the only way they can figure it out. Then yeah. I mean, like she wasn't wrong if that's what her perception is and that's what she wanted. She did get what she wanted. And the only thing maybe King Havard isn't going to get to keep on watching unicorns, but he only had like three more years left. At most. Yeah. <laughs> that guy was old. So whatever. But yeah, yeah, it's interesting. The two like evil characters, evil quotation marks. Right. You know, uh, are old, real old. Yeah. Everybody else is trying to help. And I would argue Mommy Fortuna is more evil than uh Haggard because she actively knew what she was doing and she's using it to deceive other people. And you know, like Haggard just wanted to feel happiness, a fleeting, a fleeting moment of happiness. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, she was just trying to feel, I guess, a sort of way of uh, her happiness is, Hey, I want to go out being remembered by a immortal being. That's going to kill me. Like that was, that's what she wanted. She was happy. She, she opened, she was open to it with, you know, she's like this, like open arms, like hell yeah. Kill me, dude. Kill my son too. I don't care. Like, it didn't seem to matter. Which, again, for a kid's movie, that is brutal. (laughs) To me, that's the nightmare fuel. Although, I I remember being terrified by the Red Bull when I was a kid. I do remember that thing being scary. I was, I think I remember the Red Bull, and I do remember the Harpy. I don't remember the Harpy having multiple titties, um, but I do remember the Harpy in general being just like a vulture, ugly character. Yeah, Yeah. I remember that. (laughs) (laughs) So a couple of lines of dialogue that stood out to me. For some reason, the actress who plays uh, Molly, uh, who is um, Tammy Grimes, her line delivery is is something that's just been kind of burned in my brain with some of those lines. Like when Mm -hmm. she discovers the unicorns. Yeah, when she discovers the unicorn and she's like, you know, why did you come now? Why didn't, where were you when I was new? And like the delivery of that line. Mm -hmm. And then when Schmendrick turns her into a human, the what have you done? You know, the way she delivers that just. She outdid everyone. But one of the the, the bits of dialogue that never, I had never really noticed before. And again, I think it's kind of that relationship between the immortal mythical creature and humanity is when she, when, when the, the unicorn and uh, Schmendrick are having their first conversation and she says, you know, I can't turn you into a real magician. I can't turn you into something you're not. And he says, well, don't worry about it. And she just, she goes, I'm not like this flippant. Like she wasn't given it a second thought. Like he was trying to be like, oh, it's okay. And says, don't worry about it. And she's like, oh, I'm not, you know, it was just like, yeah, this feeling that humanity is just the blink of an eye in these immortal creatures lives. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I think that's my favorite thing to play around with when you talk about like mythical characters or immortal characters or just like overly powerful characters um, when they don't care about smaller human things at all. And they say it very clearly and outright. Uh, this is going to be a bit of a tangent, but I'm a big Doctor Strange fan, as in like the comics. I own mm-hmm. a lot of Doctor, I own almost all of Doctor Strange's comics. And I like that character a lot because in the comics, he's very, I don't care about what you're doing with the Avengers, Tony Stark. I'm literally trying to, you know, protect the multiverse from a nightmare right now. <laughs> like he just does not care. And you could see that in some of the films um, too, but that kind of attitude of like, there's bigger things going on or like what you're talking about is literally 
like a blip compared to what I, I compared to my perception of the world. Uh, I think that's the most interesting thing you could do when you're talking about like immortal characters or like really powerful characters that have other things going on. And I don't think it's played with enough. So, yeah. I mean, even for this film, she says a few things like that. I never have regrets. Literally can't have regrets. Don't know what you're talking about. Like those kinds of lines are really cool, but I still feel like it could have been more. But again, sure. it's just a kid's movie for so long. So I understand. But uh, yeah, I think I think that's super interesting, too. Yeah. Yeah. And I have to say, I'm surprised. And I, I've learned there's a, a lot of reasons why. But when I was watching it, I was like, how is it we've gotten a remake of so many other things and this hasn't ended up getting a remake? And I know there's lots of rights issues and stuff, but I would be open to seeing an updated version of this, I think. Mm-hmm. Especially if you yeah, get rid of could, some of the songs, because the, the songs in a few places are a little much. Oh, America, why did you do this to us? <laughs> On the man's road? Not the man's road. It was bad. They told this all dude band, they said, can you write a bunch of, can you write a song, but pretend you're the last unicorn? And they were like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> These dudes said, Yeah. Let's think about being the last unicorn and what that would be like. So funny. That was really good. <laughs> yeah. And then Jeff Bridges singing. I didn't want that. Yeah. <laughs> that was kind of bad. And it's what's funny is we've seen. The affair was okay. We've seen since then that Jeff Bridges can sing. Yeah. I don't know what he was doing here. I mean, he was, real, no. <laughs> he was younger, I guess. I don't know. It was weird. Do you find yourself struggling between the choices of playing the latest video games you got for Christmas or debating Aunt Fanny about religion over Christmas dinner? Do you find yourself trying to work video games into your school papers, Sunday sermon, or next book proposal? Do you wish you had more people to argue with about the hidden philosophical meaning of your favorite RPG? Well then, nerds, we are the podcast for you. No Avatars Allowed is a podcast about video games, theology, and all things cultural and intellectual. Oh, and we talk about sex a lot, too. Our hosts, Rachel Dalton, Ben Wallace, and Joshua Wise, figure out each week how on earth to cram video games into some kind of bigger discussion. And mostly, we make it work. Check us out every Saturday morning on allportsopen.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. So grab your controller, that unused copy of Thomas Aquinas that's sitting on your shelf, maybe a negligee, and come join us for what is certain to be an interesting and strange conversation on No Avatars Allowed. Uh, okay, one more thing I wanted to bring up, which is when we get to the the climax of the film and uh, you know dealing with the the Red Bull and the unicorns and 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 trying to to save her as she's facing off against and the the conversation about you know I can't I can't if you can't save her what is magic for and the response that it's not what magic is for that's what heroes are for and that leads to to your uh your your favorite himbo charging in to battle because he's the hero and immediately getting knocked off to the side cuz he's not the hero he of this story. <laughs> he didn't do anything. The two of them, I mean, that's a perfect like showing of two men trying to do something and they literally can't. <laughs> and yeah, I, I mean like, it that way. I don't need the 
Yeah, I don't know if it's just like a masculine thing, but in general, like she she is the hero of the story. She is the protagonist and she's losing herself and getting confused by magic and by a human form. And literally all she had to do was be a unicorn and like actually fight a little bit rather than doing everything that everyone else was doing. Which yeah, I, I, I had to. I thought about this early on. I didn't write it down in my notes, but I thought about it early on in the film, which is when she she chooses to leave her unicorn forest, and and her presence protects the forest. It will always be spring. It's always green. The animals are safe while she's there. Uh, I mean, we're told this flat out. It's not the, the it's not the, uh, the the slickest delivery of exposition, but she chooses to leave simply on the premise that she might be the last unicorn and she wants to find out if she is. And that's, that feels like a very thin premise for a quest to me. And she doesn't even say bye and all the animals are crying on the edge of the forest because knowing that they're going to get hunted down as soon as she's out. Right. And when, <laughs> and when she is trapped in the cage and Schmendrick is using his magic to try and let her go, she sees them again. And when... Haggard is looking at her in the eyes when she first appears in the castle. That's what he sees in her eyes are those woodland friends of hers, which is just like, I could not figure out what the message here was because if you cared that much about your woods and your woodland friends, then you would have just gone, okay, maybe I am the last unicorn. Fuck it. I'll just stay here where I'm safe. Yeah. It didn't seem like she knew any unicorns before it either. Right. (laughs) She just was like, she didn't even know. You know, I haven't seen Lois in a while. I wonder if I'm the last unicorn now. <laughs> yeah, nothing like that. Like, she she just existed. She's always been by herself. She's been chilling in her woods. She knew the other woodland creatures more. They hang out. And she just ditched them, man. I, I thought that was a really weird situation. They could have gave, like, one moment of, like, her talking to the woodland creatures and explaining, hey, I got to do this. I'll be back, though. Uh, nothing. No promise of coming back. Just to herself saying, oh, I got to get back quick because these guys are going to start dying off. so weird and and it's it's based on the premise of men say i'm the last unicorn but what do men know we've already established this and a freaking psychedelic butterfly (laughs) this high out of his mind butterfly said something happened with the other unicorns let me go check yeah i mean that's all you got back then no internet so Oh, yeah. I said that was the last thing, but I do have one other thing that I want to note, and then I'll ask if you have anything else you want to chat about. But, you know, all this commentary about men, all this kind of this idea of, of, of mythical beasts, and in the middle of it all, we do learn that cats cannot be deceived by appearances and that cats never give straight answers. And I was sitting there watching this with surrounded by my cats, and I swear to God, they were glaring at the screen like, how dare you give away our secrets, you bastard. <laughs> it's so funny my cat was there all day with me he watched every other movie but he left for a last unicorn he didn't want it um he was chilling with me he watched some noir with me no problem but last unicorn he was like i'm out um i did not know where that cat came from he just showed up right like the the pirate cat yeah i thought he was the other wizard i thought the wizard changed himself into a cat so he could hang around but then I then he kept started talking like, oh, that's just actually a cat. Okay. That would have made sense if it had been the wizard. That that totally would have made sense. You're right. <laughs> it's my mind trying to logically explain things that they did not want to explain. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean he gave good advice though. He's yeah. right. All right. <laughs> what have we not talked about with the last unicorn that you want to make sure we get in? 
I think you did it. I really think I again I was the only thing I was worried you weren't gonna bring up was America songs and uh you did it. So I was like, I need to talk about America. Because the three the three things I remembered before sitting down to rewatch this was the boob tree, the the butterfly, and the terrible songs. <laughs> I remembered boob tree, butterfly, and I remembered drunk skeleton. I remembered that drunk skeleton. Did you? That was that yeah, was I funny did. to me. He he was, and that was Rene yeah, Abajoie. That's a good character. Yeah, like really good. Yeah, I remembered him very clearly at the end. I was like, yeah, there's a character that wants wine. He just wants to drink some wine. He's a skeleton. He's just trying to get off one last time. <laughs> and I, uh, I I remembered that very clearly. And never mind, yeah, they hand I, him an no, empty think, flask. <laughs> and he's like, that's fine. That's good enough. Thanks for playing along with my fantasy right now. <laughs> No, I think I think that's it. That's all I could I could have remembered. And then everything that I noticed this time was like, movies a little bit sexist, but in a fun way. <laughs> and uh, boob tree, boob tree, boob yeah. tree. <laughs> All right. Well, before we go, we've got a couple of quick little games. Uh, First up is The Algorithm Says. Uh, This is a list of movies various algorithms say you will like because you liked The Last Unicorn. So this is like a lightning round of your responses to these movies. Do you like them? Do you not like them? Do you not see how they're connected? That kind of thing. Okay. Uh, Okay. So first up, The Secret of Nim. The Secret of Nim is way too good for people. (laughs) The Secret of Nim is amazing. I mean, like, yeah, but, but only because it's amazing. It's beautiful. I could see the backgrounds being similar. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, but but Secret Nim's even more beautiful than that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the Flight of Dragons. Uh, I've not seen that. Me neither. I'd never heard of it before, yeah. but it showed up in various places. <laughs> the Hobbit. Not the Peter Jackson trilogy, but the Rankin-Bass, what I grew up with as the I, Hobbit. I would 100% say yes. Because that's what I was thinking about a lot of the time. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, Fern Gully, The Last Rainforest. Like that stuff. Fern Gully, Thumbelina. I was 100% thinking about those while watching this. And that, we, that was not the movies we watched, but it's, it's very similar. The same vein of like, of like the characters getting thrown into situations with characters taking advantage of them and stuff like that. Yeah, for okay. sure. I, I still have not seen Fern Gully. We're actually getting into pretty much a streak here of movies I have not seen for the rest of the list. So, um, all dogs go to heaven. No one needs to watch the sad movie about dead dogs. We're good. <laughs> no, no, I don't see that that together. But that's just a sad thing. Oh my god. Okay, the secret of Kells. Oh, secret of Kells too. Yeah. Why is all this secret ofs that we're getting? Secret of Kells is also their really algorithm. So who knows. <laughs> Yeah. So that's a good one? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. Okay. Very pretty. I feel like this one's misplaced. This is my own personal opinion. My Little Pony, the movie. No, because listen, little girls who like horses, this, oh, this explains so much. It's horse girl culture. It's horse girl culture. Uh, <laughs> All of these? <laughs> that's why my sister liked it. Yeah, no, Little Pony and and this movie and um what was that other one shadow something there's like a horse there's a bunch of like horse movies uh with like a brown horse and and like black beauty was a, a book that my sister really was into it's just horse girl culture yeah okay. yeah 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 we we cracked it 
So we're, we're cracking into a subculture that I didn't even know existed. Little girls only have a few options of what things we like. And it's basically princesses, horses. You could do and or horses. And like, that's it. Like, that's all we had. You know, there wasn't superhero t-shirts in the girls section until like 2012. That's so, true. <laughs> so, you know, that's what we had. And that's what we chose from. All right. One you should not be surprised to see on this list, uh, The Black Cauldron. Yeah. Right? You see it too, right? Like I've not seen The Black so Cauldron similar. yet. <laughs> oh, you should. You should. Okay. It's, it's, it's also really fucked up. <laughs> All right. Two more. Uh, the Page Master. Have you seen Page Master? I have seen Page Master. Page Master's messed up, dude. Yep. That's not something's wrong there too. <laughs> yes, I grew up watching Page Master. Um, I didn't like it. It was like a begrudging like watch. Like I turn it on and I'd be like, I kind of hate this a little bit. Something's off. The vibes are off with this one. But I still would watch it. Oh, my cat came to sit by me while I'm talking. Thank pa you, sir. Patrick Patrick Stewart's uh, <laughs> one of the books in that, if I remember correctly, right? I think so. I mostly only remember Macaulay Culkin and right. uh What's its name from Back to the Future? And then, I, oh, like Whoopi Goldberg is one of the books. Oh, I remember okay. that. Patrick Stewart, Whoopi Goldberg. Yes, I'm, <laughs> I'm remembering this now more. Uh, and then lastly, <laughs> um, Ponyo. No, I don't see that. Uh, I mean, listen, if you want to watch like really good animated films, like almost a lot of this list is just high quality animated films that, are meant for children but actually have like really deep stories about like colonization and pollution <laughs> and environmentalism you know what i mean i mean literally they say about king Havard like he had a lush green place and now it's dead yep. like he destroyed his kingdom can't imagine why with a big flaming red bull running down the roads you know i don't know why it would be in despair yeah, something went wrong there he just burned down the whole kingdom i guess all right, we end with a pop quiz for multiple choice questions based on the movie. Are you ready? Uh, yes. All right, number one. While The Last Unicorn is an original story, author Peter S. Beagle borrowed several of the names from ancient mythology. Which of the following characters does not have their roots in a myth mythological foundation? A, Lady Amothea. B, the Harpy mm. Seleno. C, Schmendrick the Magician. Mm. Or D, Prince Lear. It's got to be Schmendrick. That's correct. Come on, right? Yeah. Lady Amothea oh, is named God. after a goat who fed young Zeus. Uh, the harpy is actually, that's their name in ancient Greek mythology. And Lear is an Irish uh, sea god. Cool. Uh, number two, <laughs> although it, it never reached fruition, talk of a live action remake has been going on for decades, stuck in development hell. At one point, the intended remake would have seen the return of which two cast members reprising their roles in the flesh? A, Angela Lansbury and Christopher Lee as Mommy Fortuna and King Haggard. B, Mia Farrow yes. and Jeff. <laughs> yeah, we'll just go with that. Yes. Yeah. And I'd, I'd actually heard Christopher Lee talking about wanting to do it. Yeah, I could see him back in the day being like, yeah, let's freaking do it. Well, back in the day, he treated this the same way, you know, he treated Lord of the Rings. He showed up with his copy of the book and earmarked and bookmarked and stuff that he wanted to make sure they paid attention to. And like, he was mm -hmm. a huge fan of this book. It's so funny because, you know, there's so many great names behind this. Like this cast is awesome, but I still think Molly's character did the best line delivery of everybody. Oh, I agree. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Yeah. Uh, number three, alternate casting. 
Over time since the movie was released, a lot of names have been revealed for other actors who were considered for roles in the movie. Which of the following is not one of those casting possibilities? A. Dustin Hoffman as Schmendrick. B. Goldie Hawn as Lady Almothea. C. James Earl Jones as King Haggard. Or D. Kurt Russell as Prince Lear. Oh, all of those like fit the time frame to me. You know (laughs) what I mean? I think it's, it was this 86 you said? This is 82. 82? Yeah. James Earl Jones. No, James Earl Jones was considered for King Haggard. I think is the wrong one. Oh, man, <laughs> Which I thought I, it was too early for him to be doing the voices. I can imagine. <laughs> it wouldn't have been as good, I think. Yeah, but, he would have been fine. Uh, no, Goldie yeah. Hawn was not considered. Mm-hmm. But all, but all the I mean, I wouldn't want Goldie Hawn to do it. Doesn't seem <laughs> right at all. Mia Farrow is doing like her like spacey, like high-pitched kind of thing. It makes sense. Okay, fair enough. All right, last question. (laughs) The Last Unicorn was produced by Rankin-Bass, but the animation was handled by Topcraft, a company Rankin-Bass continued to work with on projects until the studio went bankrupt. After bankruptcy, many of the key members of Topcraft went on to form what animation group? A, DreamWorks Animation, B, Pixar Studios, C, Studio Ghibli, or D, Blue Sky Studios? Oh, okay. It's no, it can't be Pixar. And I don't, it's obviously not Ghibli. No, no, no. It's got to be the, one of the first two. Uh, I'm going to go with, uh, for the heck of it, uh, the first one. No, they formed Studio Ghibli. <sighs> and if you watch this movie, you can see the fingerprints of some of the other movies they'll go on to do. I mean, that uh, makes sense with the, with the Ponyo. Yeah, I had no idea about this until I was sitting down. Literally, when you messaged me to say you had finished watching it and you were ready to record tonight, I was writing that quest. Like, I had just learned that fact that the people who were behind animating this film then went on to animate Studio Ghibli projects. And I was just like, yeah, that actually really makes sense to me. But I thought, okay, so are you saying that for this film's production, that they were hiring people in Japan to animate? Because I thought Ghibli's background was all in-house. Yeah, animation. no, it's yeah, it's it's the the Topcraft was in Japan, the animation company that they uh, used was in Japan, and then they kept using Topcraft, and then eventually Topcraft went bankrupt, and key members from there then formed Studio Ghibli. Mm-hmm. When I think of like this film and the Lord of the Rings that they did, the characters' faces all are the so similar, mm-hmm. like they stamp the same character look with the nose and like the skinniness of them. That uh, I couldn't see that going over to, but I could see it in Ponyo a little bit, <laughs> but obviously it's not that close of a thing, but like Ponyo's father kind of looks like he could be in, in Last Unicorn to me. Yeah. <laughs> the face. Sarah, where can people find you? What do you want to promote? I tweet on Twitter. I've been on Twitter for like 13 years, unfortunately, uh, at Sarah Sorrentino. I'm editor-in-chief of a website called FilmCred. Uh, it's a criticism and film analysis publication, online publication, where uh, we help publish and, and work with new writers so they can be published on a real site and get feedback on their writing that's more extensive than what you'll usually see at other sites. Um, that's doing well. I'd like to hit 3,000 followers on FilmCred, though, so come on, y'all. And... Uh, <laughs> I also have a podcast called Sequels, S-E-E-Q-U-E-L-S. We sometimes record episodes. (laughs) We've done a lot of uh, Disney direct-to-video sequels. 
it's all about direct-to-video sequels. So I've done a lot of like weird action films. I've watched like four different Scorpion Kings, <laughs> some Chuckies, um, American Psycho 2, like a lot of just the ones you don't really Silent Night 5, Silent Night, Deadly Night 5. Um, films there are five that, of those. Uh, I'm, I think there's more. Um, a <laughs> lot, a lot going on that I am, I let myself watch. So, uh, yeah, that's pretty fun. That's with me and Shaq and Ale and, uh, yeah, that's it. That's what I do. Fantastic. Well, I appreciate you so much coming on here. Uh, I, I, I loved getting to rewatch the last unicorn or having a reason to rewatch the last unicorn because there is so much more depth to it than I, I thought. And, and now I remember how it ends. So that, that makes me happy yeah. to itself. Last unicorn feminist icon. But uh, thank you so much for coming on. Please come back on uh, some other time, okay? Okay, awesome. Thank you. So that does it for this week, but you can keep the conversation going throughout the week on social media. Share your thoughts about The Last Unicorn, or maybe tell me about a movie you'd like to come on the show and talk about. You can find me at Talnhess, that's T-A-L-N-H-E-S-S, on Twitter and Letterboxd, or the show at Have Not Seen This on Twitter on Facebook, where I Have Not Seen This podcast, or you can email me at HaveNotSeenThis at gmail.com. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to the show so you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes. Uh, This podcast is available through all major podcast sources. Positive ratings and reviews are always welcome, as is just sharing the podcast with a friend and spreading the love. And if you enjoy these movie conversations, I invite you to check out my other podcast, Never Say Die, where Drew Meyer and I look at a movie and talk about how we can use it for inspiration at our gaming table. Special thanks to Chris Talent for our wonderful theme song, and thanks again to Sarah Sorrentino for providing this week's conversation. Until next week, I'm Rafe Telsch, and this has been Have Not Seen This. Be kind to each other. <laughs>